Good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Your word tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, Lord. No mind has conceived what you have prepared for us who love you, but you have revealed it to us by your Spirit. So we pray that this morning your Spirit will be here at work in our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, to behold wonderful things and truth in your word. And Lord, teach us and help us to live it out, Lord to live for that higher calling and purpose which you have called us to. This we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, we often get lost about the storyline or plot when we enter into a movie or a, a TV drama series halfway, right? An example would be This Korean drama that is currently being screened on Amazon Prime, all right? It's called Unlock My Boss, okay? Now, uh, spoiler alert coming your way, okay? If you haven't watched it yet, uh, please bear with me. Uh, it's basically a story about an aimless young man from on the left who stumbled across this strange smartphone that can talk to him, okay? And tell him what to do. And he ended up working for his boss, that is trapped in this smartphone, okay? And uh, his life changed overnight. He became the CEO of the company that this boss founded, okay? And then he began to un unravel uh, a very sinister plot, okay? Uh, to find out why did the boss get trapped in the phone in the first place and a lot of other stuff, okay? That's as much spoiler that I'm going to give you, okay, before you kill me. So, um, <clears throat> because some of you paid money for it, right? Uh, Amazon Prime, okay? So... <laughs> So uh, I'm not going to spoil me, uh, make your money worth for you, all right? I'm not going to spoil it for you. Now, in the same way, that's often how we feel when we read the Bible, okay? If you still do, you still do read your Bible, right? It's not too late to start, huh? This is March. Time, two months have passed already, okay? But not too late to start, okay? We feel lost and we, do not, we don't know where to start and how it all connects and makes sense, right, the Bible. Now, that is the purpose of this sermon series, okay? And I pray... I pray and I hope that like the aimless young man in a Korean drama, your life is going to change when you pick up this strange book and read it. And not just read it, that you dare enough to obey and follow it. Because there is a greater boss behind this book that is calling you to a higher purpose that is beyond your wildest imagination. You see, I like this quote that Pastor Chris Ho mentioned at the beginning of the sermon series. Now, can we read it together on a count of three? One, two, three. The Bible is the story of God's acts to reverse the effects of human sin in order to bring about a new creation. Okay, a very simple phrase to describe what the Bible is all about. Now, it's the story of God's acts of redemption for mankind, all right? And it's unveiled and unpacked in the different covenants that God made with different people throughout the course of biblical history, all right? And the purpose is to deal with the problem of human sin. You see, humanity's problem is not economics, it's not politics, it's not better healthcare, better education. Humanity's main problem is the problem of sin. You don't fix this problem... You know, the fruit of this problem will keep surfacing. When you chop off the fruit, but you will still bear the kind of same fruit because the root, you didn't deal with it, right? 
And God knows that. All right? And God wants to deal with the problem of sin because sin separates us from Him and all that He has in store for us. All right? Now close your Bible and put away your smartphone right now. Okay, because we're going to have a quiz. Okay, I thought of doing Kahoot, but today, Holy Communion, we don't have time, okay? So what are the covenants in the Bible in sequence? Can you begin to think about them in your mind? What's the first one? The Noahic covenant. Second one? <clears throat> Louder, please. Yeah, great. Abrahamic covenant. Third one? Mosaic covenant. Great. You guys are learning. The fourth one? Davidic covenant. And the fifth one, finally, the new covenant. Let me give you an overview, okay, of all the biblical covenants, okay? And the reason is because, you know, today's sermon is called the new covenant. See, we will not understand and appreciate the new covenant if we do not know all these other covenants that went before it, okay? Because the new covenant is the climax of all these covenants that God uh, initiated, all right. Now, the Noahic covenant. After the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, uh, there was an exponential increase uh, of, the human, of, the, of human sin and wickedness All right, as the human population began to grow. And it resulted in the judgment of the flood. But there was a man who was blameless. He was not sinless, he was blameless. And he found favor with God, and that's Noah. Genesis 6, verse 5 to 8. Now, God made a covenant with Noah where he promised to never again destroy the whole earth with a flood, but to start all over again through Noah and his family. Okay, and it's a covenant with all creation. Genesis 9, 8 to 17. Now, listen to this carefully. Okay, very important here. The, this covenant is enjoyed by all mankind, whether we believe in God or not, even until today despite man's continued sinfulness and wickedness. I mean, you look at the world around us, right? Despite the continual degradation, we are still here. We are still here. It's because of this covenant that God made with all creation, the Noahic covenant. It is unmerited grace, but it is only a temporal grace. Okay? Because God is holy. There will come a point in time in the future where God will finally step onto the scene and make every wrong right and call to account everything that has been done. So right now, we are living in a, in a period of grace from the Noahic covenant. But this covenant still does not deal with the problem of sin. More is needed. Right? That's why God called a man, Abraham, and made a covenant with him. Okay, to, to form a people for himself. <clears throat> okay, he promised Abraham uh, three things. Okay, he promised to give him land, he promised to give him descendants and form them into a nation, and he promised to bless them and make them a, his instrument of blessing to the whole earth, to reverse the curse of the fall. All right? And, and long story short, Abraham's descendants multiplied and became the people of Israel, but they were slaves in Egypt. All right? And God remembered His covenant with Abraham. He delivered them out of slavery in Egypt through mighty signs and wonders, and He brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai where He made a covenant with the people of Israel to make them His people and to make them His kingdom and holy nation. Exodus 19, 4-6. 
Israel was to be God's light to the nations, to invite them to come and worship this God and live under His rule and blessing. All right. But instead of being a light to the nations, Israel wanted to be like the nations. Okay, they wanted a human king to rule over them instead of God. Okay, Pastor Chris Young preached about that last weekend. Okay, and God gave them what they wanted. Now, church friends, be careful what you ask for because God might just give it to you. And after that, don't complain. Okay. Many of these kings were bad, all right, and their reign didn't endure. They led the people of Israel away from God, resulting, you know, in the... In the, in the eventual fall of the kingdom, all right? And they were, you know, cast out into exile in a foreign land as a result of the judgment of God from not keeping this covenant. But in the midst of all of that, there was one king. There was one king, all right? He was far from perfect, but his heart was after God's own heart, okay? He feared God, he loved God, he pursued God with, you know, with all his, his heart. He's David, King David, all right? And God made a covenant with David, where he promised to raise up from his line a perfect king whose kingdom and reign will never end. All right. And finally, we have the new covenant, which is what we are going to talk about today. Now, what is God's ultimate vision and end goal, you know, in all of this? You ever thought about that before? What's God's ultimate vision and end goal? Surprise, surprise, it is not you and me. It's not even our salvation, although that is a part of it. See, God's ultimate vision is the kingdom of God. Say it with me, the kingdom of God. All right, where Reverend Chris Ho, you know, this, define it this way, God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. You know, what is Jesus, what was Jesus' main message in the Gospels? The kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. You see, God's end goal is to bring about a new creation, a new humanity that flourishes under his rule and reign. Okay? And that is the new heaven and the new earth in the book of Revelation 21 at the end of the Bible story. If, I, if we can summarize with a simple diagram, okay, it goes like this, okay? In the beginning, God created the first heaven and the earth where he dwelt with man and he's supposed to rule over man so that man can rule over all the earth on his behalf, but man chose to turn their backs on God, okay? That resulted in the fall. And it got so bad in Genesis 6 that God had to step in and bring about the first judgment of the flood. And he could have just ended there. It could have just ended there, okay? And God would still be righteous. You see, he is not obligated to do anything beyond what he's already done for humanity. And yet, he, he have a plan. He have a plan to reverse the whole thing. The mess created by us called redemption. Beginning with the Noahic covenant, which is a temporal grace for all hum The whole world is living under that, the grace of that covenant, but that, was, that covenant is not enough, okay, to solve our problem. God... Make a, uh, you know, brought about the Abrahamic covenant to call people to himself. He gave them the law through the Mosaic covenant, okay? And uh, God made a covenant with David, promising a perfect king to come. And finally, it all culminated with the new covenant, you know, of being a new creation in Christ, 
Christ did that when he died on the cross and he gave us the Holy Spirit to bring about the reality and the power of the new creation in us and the church was born, okay? The church, one new man in Christ, one new people in Christ, Jews and Gentiles, all right? And finally, the day will come when there will be a final judgment of fire, okay? Where the world, will, the world who is unbelieving will continue on in eternal destruction, and the people of God inherit the new heaven and the new earth where God will once again dwell with men. Men will, will, will live under his rule and blessing and the result is eternal life. The kingdom of God that was envisioned in the beginning will finally be realized at the end. See, the Bible is, God's, is the story of God's acts to reverse the effects of human sin in order to bring about a flourishing new creation under God's rule, also known as the kingdom of God. While God has a wonderful vision and plan, He's always, listen to this carefully, He's always working with very willful, flawed and imperfect human beings, tainted and broken by sin. That is very true in our lives as well, right? Think about it. You see, God has an agenda for your life and mine, but we are not always very cooperative. Yeah? Maybe this is for some of us here. You see, the kingdom of God which God tried to establish over all creation through Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden was lost because of their willful disobedience. The whole plan got crashed. And God is trying to reboot and get it back online, starting with Noah, Abraham, and then the children of Israel through the Mosaic Covenant. You see, Israel was supposed to be the kingdom of God here on earth. If, there's a big if, if they keep the Mosaic Covenant. God delivered them out of bondage, slavery in Egypt, brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai. He offered them okay, to make this covenant with them in Exodus 19 verse 4 to 6, where God says to them, you yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And at the foot of Mount Sinai, the people of Israel say, yes, we want this. And the covenant was made between them and God. What is the Mosaic covenant? How is it supposed to help Old Testament Israel become God's kingdom and holy nation here on earth? You see, in the Mosaic covenant, God basically gave them two things. Okay, the first is laws to obey. These laws govern their behavior in how they relate with God and their, how they relate with one another. All right? And then secondly, God gave them sacrifices to keep, to atone for their sins when they fail. Okay? And the goal is that they might be God's kingdom and holy nation here on earth. Now, the laws and the sacrifices are a constant, vivid, uh, it's a vivid revelation and a constant reminder of God's holiness, that the God that they serve is a holy God. You see, uh, I would imagine that the, temp, the, the temple precincts where all the animal sacrifices are made is drenched with blood every other day. It's drenched with blood every other day. What a vivid reminder that God is holy. The result, Israel failed and broke the covenant. And all that is... You know, a big part of the Old Testament, right? You, you, it gives you a brief history of Israel's failure, you know? Right after they said yes to God in the Mosaic Covenant, they made a golden calf and worshipped it. 
Alright? And then soon after that, they, you know, they were, they were disobedient, they were always complaining, huh? complaining. Sounds familiar, right? Singaporeans always complaining in the wilderness. And then eventually, they rejected God as their king, they wanted a human king instead. And under the leadership of these kings, did they do any better? No. They fell into gross idolatry, which resulted in child sacrifice. You read the history of it, it's terrible, okay? Oppressing one another, a lot of injustice, so on and so forth. And eventually, the kingdom split into two, northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. They hang on for a little while, okay, under different kings. Most of it is bad. And then finally, the northern kingdom collapsed under Assyria. The southern kingdom collapsed under the Babylonians. And they were all brought into exile as a result of breaking the covenant. Now, God knew all of this would happen. The, the Mosaic covenant didn't work, because it was, not because it was flawed, but because the children of Israel was flawed, they couldn't keep it because of their human sinfulness, a problem that plagues us all. See, they broke that covenant. God says in Jeremiah 11.10, they have turned back to the iniquities of their ancestors who refused to hear my words and they, are, they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant which I made with their fathers. You see, our basic problem as a, since the fall is our sins which need atonement and our sinfulness which needs deliverance. All right? The Mosaic covenant. In the Mosaic covenant, the law only shows us how sinful we are and our need, our desperate need for a saviour. And the sacrifices, the Lifeless animal sacrifices only points to the perfect living sacrifice of the Savior to come. So when all seems lost and hope is gone, and God's vision of the kingdom of God here on earth crashed again. And you know what? He had another chance to exit and just trash the whole thing. And he would still be righteous to do so, but he didn't. He did something unimaginable. God promised a new covenant. You see, this is our God. He's relentless in his love and pursuit of you and I. He just wouldn't quit. He just wouldn't give up. Amen. God promised in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. So the old covenant which the new covenant replaces is the Mosaic covenant. What are the, what are the new features? What are the features of this new covenant? Okay, let's read the next verse. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then in Ezekiel 36, 24 to 28, God says, I will, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the lands and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. 
features of this new covenant? An old feature remain God's law. Never let anyone tell you otherwise that the new covenant, we don't need law anymore. It's all grace. Yes, it's grace. But grace to keep the law by the power of the Spirit. The law remains even in the new covenant. The new feature that is introduced is God's Spirit. Okay? Where God, that's what God meant when He said, I will write my law on the, on the hearts of my people by giving us the Spirit to help us obey it. When did the new covenant arrive? It arrived in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. But you might be saying, well, this new covenant is with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. We are not from the house of Israel or the house of Judah. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. You know what's the good news? The new covenant is for all. Jews and Gentiles. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, Paul says, Therefore remember that formerly you, this is you and I, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And listen to what Jesus had to say about the law in the new covenant in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. He says this, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth passed away, not the smallest letter of stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, some may argue that, oh, Jesus meant that he is fulfilling all the prophecies okay, of the Old Testament. I don't think so because I look at the context of this verse. Jesus is talking about keeping the law and walking in righteousness and teaching others to do the same. In Matthew, you read it for yourself, right? And, he's, and he says that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about keeping the law. He made it very clear Sorry, he made it, Jesus made it very clear. The law is not done away with. It re, you see, the law reveals the nature and character of God or who he is and the ways of God which he wants his people to follow. That is why he said, be holy for I am holy. Right? And in fact, straight after Jesus said this, okay, you read on, Jesus raised the bar even higher. Right? He says it's not just about our outward behavior, it's what's going on in our heart. Right, if you harbor anger in your heart, you have committed murder. You don't have to physically do it. If you harbor anger in your heart, you committed murder. If you entertain lustful thoughts in your heart, you have committed adultery. Right? And don't don't bother making vows. It's, they are meaningless and worthless. Let your let the your out your external words reflect a true inner commitment. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't play games with your words. Mess people up. And love not just your neighbor, but your enemies. Love perfectly because your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus didn't just, he didn't lower the standard. He raised it even higher. Right? And uh, like you might be wondering, wow, it's already so hard to keep the law externally. Now we have to keep it internally in our hearts. We've got to be consistent even in the thoughts of our hearts. How to do, man? You see this picture over here? Now, the father cannot lower the basketball rim for the child to do a slam dunk. But you know what he can do? He can put the child on his shoulders, lift him up, 
so that he can do a slam dunk. In the same way, instead of lowering the standard, in fact, Jesus raised it higher, God gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us, to help us to live and walk as Jesus did because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ himself. All right, to help us to obey the law and walk in righteousness. And that is what, that is what Paul says in Romans 8, 3 to 4, where he says this, for what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the sinful human flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see, the New Testament constantly exhorts us to walk in the Spirit so that we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Those who walk in the flesh cannot please God, Paul says in Romans 8 later on. And that's what it means to follow Christ and be baptized. How many of us here are baptized? Don't be ashamed. Lift up your hands. So many of us, so many of us, this is what it means to follow Christ. Let's hear what Paul has to say about baptism, what it means. Okay, a new creation in Christ. That's what baptism is all about. In Romans 6, verse 1 to 7, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be! Exclamation mark. Okay, strong language. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the fathers, so we too might walk in newness of life. Say it with me, newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Very important phrase here. Not that we will never sin, but we will no longer be slaves to sin. That's the difference. Okay, for he who has died is freed from sin. And baptism became the sign of the new covenant, right? Jesus commanded it for those who would follow him and be his disciples. Matthew 28. All right? He couldn't make it any more clearer. So baptism is not really an option if you truly believe and serious. So those of you not yet baptized and you think that it's okay, I'm telling you right now, Jesus said, be baptized. Okay? It became the sign of participating in the new creation in Christ. Like how circumcision became the sign of becoming God's people in the Abrahamic covenant, right? Paul says this in Colossians 2.11, Now, and in him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision made without hands, okay? Not a physical circumcision anymore in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism. Now, the, <clears throat> uh, in the last few weeks, I, I had an interesting conversation at a funeral wake, okay? Uh, with, we were all seated down on the same table. On my left was this 19-year-old young man and on my right was this... Uh, 50 plus year old gentleman, okay? Let's, let's for illustration's sake, let's uh, call him the 59 year old, okay? 1959, okay? Now, this 19 year old young man, <clears throat> he wants to get baptized, okay? And he might face parental objection, all right? And uh, he, he's having his two month uh, term break right now before his term starts. And I ask him, oh, what are you going to do in your, your term break? You know, are you going to find a temp job, earn some money? He said, no. 
I'm going to read and study the Bible. I'm like, wow, this is one spiritual hunger I must help. I took out a smartphone, I showed him, these are the free resources online you can use and have access to to help you read and understand the Bible better. Download Bible Project app. Go check it, check out God's Big Picture, okay, website. A lot of free videos, a lot of resources. And he was like, he was all in for it. He was all in, you know, he was checking it out, you know. Hung, spiritual hunger. And this 59-year-old gentleman, he goes to church very regularly every week, but he doesn't see the need to be baptized. And I, I asked him, and I was talking to him, and I was, and was like, you know, do, do you even know what God says in his word? Do you read the Bible? That's when he started to, you know, uh, nah, it's, you know, we spoke in Chinese, sing, 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 believe in the heart can already, no need to be so serious. Right? And uh, I felt a lot drop on, in my heart to say this to him. I said, Sing Kamputao. Heart cannot see. You know why he said, Oh, you can't open, take out the heart, and you can see already. <laughs> you know, you, you can, he, as you can tell, he's like skirting the issue. He's not really very serious. Okay, and I told him, I laughed, I laughed, and I told him, Oh, sing wa chu lai, cut out the heart and see. Then you die already, no point already. Okay. You see, Sometimes we want the benefits of the covenant, but we're not prepared to do what God says. Right? And we, 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 we live under this, you know, thinking that we can get through the door at the end of the day. Okay? I don't think so. I don't think so, as far as God's word is concerned. In, you know, perhaps one of the reasons why people, they don't want to get baptized is because of this. Maybe they know what it means, right? That in baptism, we have died to Christ, to our old life of sin, and we rise with Christ to a new life of righteousness. How? By walking in the Spirit. There is a cost involved. There is a cost involved. Maybe that's the reason why many people are not prepared to count the cost and bear the cost of following Jesus and be his disciple. You know, I had the privilege of, uh, in the last two weeks, I had the privilege of helping a friend. He's not a believer yet, okay? We lost touch for many years and we got reconnected again. I had the privilege of helping him start afresh, okay? He's in need of a job and his savings are drying up, all right? After years of not working because he had to take care of his aunt who was staying with him. She was sick uh, but have since passed on. She was like a mother to him, all right? He, his mother, because his mom passed away at a very young age. And so now he wanted to start afresh. He wanted to rent out one of his rooms, but he had an uneasy task to clear through a lot of stuff that accumulated over, the, over time because many of them probably reminded him of his aunt and had sentimental value to it, all right? The picture on the left is how his room looked like, the one that he cleared. Okay, it's good to go, to be rented out, just need some furniture, this picture on the right are the things that he needs to work through and clear. Okay? As in order to start afresh. You see, in, in, in the same way, in the same way, can we turn off the screen first? In the same way, we cherish and cling on to many, many things 
even after being baptized and rising to a new life in Christ, right? We still want to hold on to those things, right? Our sinful pleasures, our carnal desires, and all the earthly things. But if we want to follow Christ, we have to let it go in order to start a new life in Him. That is why, the screen please, thank you. That is why in baptism, there are three questions that are being asked. Do you turn to Christ? Do you repent of your sins? Do you renounce the devil, the world, the world as in the ways of the world, the values of the world, and all the covetous desires of the flesh? And if you say yes, then you're baptized. And after baptism, the minister will say, do not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. And together, everyone, let's say together on the count of three, one, two, three, fight valiantly under the banner of Christ against sin, the world, the devil, and continue his faithful soldier and servant to the rest, to the end of your life. This, my friends, is the good fight of faith that we are engaged in. The moment you go into the water, the moment you come out, you are engaged in that battle against the devil, the world, and the flesh. The good fight of faith. <clears throat> you see, walking in the Spirit is not automatic. You don't automatically just walk, right? You have to you make a constant decision to walk, right? You see, we have to surrender and yield to the work of the Spirit in our life if we want to experience victory over sin. That's why Paul says this in Romans 6, 11. Even so, consider, the key word here is consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey His last and do not go on presenting, another key word, the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So now present your members as slaves, not to sin, but to righteousness, resulting in sanctification which means growing in holiness. It's not an overnight thing, right? It's a process. It's a process. And we have a word for that. It's called discipleship. Discipleship. You see, all that we do in church, our cell ministry, our, all the different ministries, inner healing, deliverance, family life, you know, all the ministries that we serve and everything has one aim and purpose, to make us disciples of Christ. Right? How would being a disciple of Christ look like? in my family life, in my work life, in my marriage, in a way I relate with people, my friends, colleagues, so on and so forth, right? You know, <clears throat> Billy Graham, I think it was Billy Graham, okay? He once asked a man who owned a white dog and a black dog who liked to fight, and he asked, which one will win, the white one or the black one? And the man gave a very simple but profound answer. He said, that it's, not, it's not whether it's the white one or the black one. The one that I feed will win. The one that I staff will lose. You see, friends, <clears throat> if we constantly set our mind on the things of the flesh, of course, the flesh will win. That's a no-brainer. But if we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, the Spirit will win. We will experience victory over sin. Right? So which one? Which one are we doing? Now, does that mean that we will never sin after becoming a Christian? The answer is no. What then when we sin? Are there any provisions in the new covenant for our sins? The good news is yes. Okay, Romans 5, verse 8 to 9. But God demonstrated his own love for, towards us in that 
While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. That is why we have the promise in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, not pretend, not hide, not run away, not blame the weather, give excuses, but if we humble ourselves and confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because of what Christ has done. It's on the basis of Christ's death on the cross that we have this promise. See, our basic problem since the fall is our sins which need atonement and our sinfulness which is deliverance. In the new covenant, Jesus atoned for our sins through his one sin for all perfect sacrifice on the cross and he gave us the spirit to overcome our sinfulness. That's the new covenant. Jesus is the climax and the fulfillment of all of God's covenantal promises that went before. You see, in the new covenant, Jesus is the, the seed of Abraham through whom all the people of the earth will be blessed. Genesis 12 and Galatians 3. He is also the perfect Passover lamb sacrificed to deliver, deliver us not from a physical Egypt, but from bondage to sin. That is the, the, that is the, the gospel writer is trying to portray that in the, in the passion narrative, okay? And then Jesus is the perfect Israelite. Where is, Old Testament Israel failed, Jesus is the perfect Israelite who kept and obeyed God's law. Matthew 5, Hebrews 4, 15. So that Jesus can be the perfect high priest, great high priest who can enter the Holy of Holies, not offering a dead animal sacrifice, but offering a living sacrifice of himself as the perfect atoning sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the, one of the main themes in the book of Hebrews. And finally, where all the kings of Israel failed, Jesus is the perfect king from the line of David whose reign and kingdom will have no end. Revelations 5, 5 and eleven fifteen. You see, in the old covenant, the kingdom of God came outwardly, externally. God, you know, his, God's presence dwell in the, in, in the midst of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, in a temple. God gave them the law. God gave them the sacrifices. The kingdom of God came externally but failed to last because the hearts of the people of Israel were not transformed. They couldn't keep up. They couldn't keep up. They could not embody the kingdom of God. In the new covenant, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God into our hearts first to transform us from within so that we embody what the kingdom of God really is. Right? And to make us ready for the kingdom of God when it finally comes physically in all its fullness upon the second coming of Christ in the new heaven and new earth. And it will last. The kingdom of the new covenant did not just arrive. It was ratified. It was effected. Not by Jesus' empty words and promises, but in his blood. He literally shed his blood to make it possible. You see, in the same way that Moses ratified the old covenant with the blood of bulls in Exodus 24, Jesus ratified the new covenant with his own blood on the cross. 
That's why on the night he was betrayed, when he, had, when he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples, Luke 22, 19 to 20, he says this, And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And it's from this Passover meal which Jesus, you know, that, that Jesus instituted the new covenant meal called the Holy Communion. The Holy Communion. You know, I love our Anglican Holy Communion liturgy. It's beautiful, all right? And it captures a lot of what is said today about the new covenant. Just some excerpts, all right? In the beginning, there's a segment called in the, the preparation where there's a prayer. It goes like this. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you. Isn't that interesting? That's the new covenant. Keeping the law by the power of the Spirit. And after that, we actually recite the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, and the Ten Commandments. You see, the law is not done away with in the new covenant. And after that, we confess. After we recite the law, we confess, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men in thought, in word, and in deed. You see, it's not just our outward behavior, it's what goes on in our heart as well, right? Jesus said that about the new covenant. And then we pray, forgive us all that is past and then grant that we may serve you in newness of life. Same language that Paul used in Romans 6. To the glory of your name. You see, in baptism we have died with Christ and risen with him that we may walk in newness of life. And after communion, we pray, Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through Him, we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. You see, it's not just random, some, some dude randomly, you know, craft and pick up some words, you know, come up with Holy Communion Liturgy. No, it's Scripture. It is Scripture. Beginning to end is Scripture. You see, more than helping, I'm coming, this, bring this to a close, all right? More than helping you to understand the Bible better, this covenant series, I pray and I hope, will totally transform your worldview and life orientation. You see, friends, it's not about your personal story of carving out the good life, whatever that means, and how God fit into your story. It is not that. It is about something bigger, grander than yourself. Is God's epic story of redemption to reverse the effects of sin in order to bring about a flourishing new creation under His rule and reign, also known as the kingdom of God. And how you fit in to that story. God has done all that He needs to do through all the covenants to make this possible. But this story of redemption is unfinished why? Because God wants you to be a part of it. He has invited you to be a part of it. He wants to co-labor with you, to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Right? And all these things that you need, you add, He will add on to you. And He wants you to, inv- to tell others and invite them so that they too can join in and be a part of God's story of redemption and share in the new creation under God's rule and reign in the new heaven and new earth. That's what it's all about.
You see, depending on what's your worldview, the first one or the second one, it will determine how you live your one life here on earth. You only have one life. Can I invite Pastor Chris Young to come on stage? He's going to help me perform an illustration, all right? Why don't you give a hand to him? <clears throat> In his hand is two bread, all right? The first bread represents your life and mine. We consume it, we use it for our family, our children, our job. Okay, you don't have to eat every time I say something new, all right? You just, you just keep on eating, all right? Otherwise, you get a choke. <laughs> our hobbies and games, you know, hang out with friends, our Netflix, okay? And our time, time on social media, make our first million dollar or whatever. Okay, we consume it and we use it for what we want and what we think we need. Okay? And then finally, whatever is left over, oh, God, I give you my leftover if you still want it. Even the leftover, he ate it. <laughs> Don't even want to give it to God. The second bread represents Christ. It represents Christ. Can you lift it up? On the night he was betrayed. Can I have Luke 22 back on screen? Luke 22 back on screen. Thank you. On the night that he was betrayed, he broke it and he said, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, friends, Christ, thank you. Give him a hand. Thank you. <clears throat> look at me now. Okay, friends, look at me now. This is very important. I think we can identify, right, with the first bread, how we consume our life. Okay, myself included. The second bread. See, Christ, he gave himself, he poured out himself unreservedly, fully, for you and I. Knowing that we may not reciprocate. And yet, he did it. I half suspect he chose to believe the better of us. Maybe that's why Paul says in Corinthians 13, love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. That's God's heart towards you and I. That relentless, undying, stubborn, furious, almost insane, makes no sense. Love for a stubborn, willful, rebellious people, you and I. That's God. How will you respond to him today? You know, as I was preparing this message and I was praying, and I, the Lord reminded me that, you know what? Your message on the new covenant falls on Holy Communion weekend. That's when I realized that it's not a coincidence because the Holy Communion is the new covenant meal. 
which the Lord instituted. Friends, as we approach the Lord's table and partake of the new covenant meal, may we not just receive what he has done for us, but may also be the altar where we surrender our all and renew our covenant commitment to him afresh. And as we do, I pray may he renew us by his spirit. May he fill us afresh with the power of the spirit to live and work for his praise and glory and to join him in that, in that story of redemption to bring about a new creation that will flourish under the kingdom of God in a new heaven and a new earth. Let the Holy Communion be your autocore response to the Lord today. Amen.